Hello, I have the amazing Tina with me. Hi, Tina, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, we have talked for over an hour before this started, just so you know, because we had a lot to catch up on. So hiya, I'm Tina Baker. I have written two novels. Uh, my first one was out last year, Call Me Mummy, the story of a child abduction and the mother who loses a child who's branded a scummy mummy. And today is my publication Boxing Day of Nasty Little Cuts. You have to be very careful how you say it. And how's this for merch? My husband bought me. Sorry, this is not only fans flashing my chest. Nasty Little Cuts t-shirt and even better, a Nasty Little Cuts mug. <laughs> Yay! So yeah, the hardback audiobook and ebooks out. And I say uh, the ebook because I only discovered last year when Call Me Mummy that ebooks were a thing. Because I thought ebooks were just Kindle, but apparently there's like Apple and all sorts of other stuff. Didn't know. But I was very thrilled to be an ebook number one bestseller last year, which was quite good because there's no bookshops open last year. Hey ho. And I will say that you are one of, I think, well, I mean, I've met loads of authors now we're actually properly spoken to. And we met at Bloody Scotland where you were dressed as a bee. Not for the entirety of it, let's be accurate. So yeah, I mean, um, this, I mean, Donnie, you've met loads more authors than I have. So as a newbie author, uh, I shielded in lockdown and then we went up to the bloody Scotland festival and we had a nice time together because I met Donna, I was dressed as a bee and I squeaked at the top of my voice halfway through meeting you. It was like, oh, you're Donna from online. You know, I'm not very bright. It just took me a while to clock. But yeah, I was dressed as a bee in my defense, Donna, because I was in a session called Killer Bees with Mark Billingham and Chris Bookmeyer, who are, you know, top crime writers. And um, you were one of the, I think, about five very nice people who asked me to sign their books. So I had about five people, but I had the best people. This is, this is the content I'm here for. What she brought me? This is her new toy that she got as a treat. Is it a bee? It's not a bee. What it's is a it? It's a slug or something, apparently. Oh, I love it. Down. I love it. What you got? What you got? I think, you know, I think it's because we mentioned bee and she she's so clever. <laughs> she saw the stripes. Uh, so, yeah, Chris Brookmeyer and uh, Mike, Mark Billingham had done their session, Killer Bees. I'd done a little reading of Call Me Mummy. I thought I'll dress as a bee. I've only got two, two minutes. But then I got stuck in the costume. At the point I was doing the signing for my five loyal fans and, and you know, the, the other B <laughs> uh, sort of queue was very, very long. The Waterstone Sterling people couldn't get me out of it. The zip had stuck. And I had visions of me being stuck for the rest of the festival in this giant inflatable bee costume. And actually, I was glad I'd gone as a bee because I also took part in an Extinction Rebellion um protests which happened randomly as i came out of the rehearsal i saw these other people dressing as bees i thought oh you know um and yeah we we protested in sterling precinct uh about you know the, and i still would do it again today it's like you know the bees are being killed by ridiculous pesticides that our government who don't care about any form of life 
let alone human or bee life, you know, have just sort of said, yeah, get on with it. And you just think without the bees, everything's going to go downhill. So, and she agrees with us because she's got the bee hybrid. Perhaps it's a, a genetically modified bee that she's got. <laughs> <laughs> she's so cute. And um, yeah, uh, and the hobbit people monopolised your time in the end because Adrian was a bit starstruck, wasn't he? Because he'd um, known you or known of you from his time at the BBC. It was so weird because, again, it's like I love it when people come up and say hello because everybody, every human, it doesn't matter what you do for a living or that, you get shy saying hello to people. And even though I'm really loud and I usually have got 10 layers of makeup between me and humanity, um, it's like, I, you know, I didn't know really anybody there. Um, it, it's weird going up to people and yeah, so um, the Hobex came up and said hello to me and we had worked together at Five Live, although I don't think ever spoken. And um, yeah, it was, it was just really nice meeting people in the flesh when I'd not met anybody, but it was such a, a shock to the system. So I'm not, I wasn't, I haven't been a very social person anyway, because I work nights and my husband work, works nights and we work different nights. So he runs a bar, I teach keep fit classes. So, you know, if we've got a night off, generally it's on the sofa in front of Netflix, to be honest. But um, it, it was nice to see people. It's nice to meet, you know, the bloggers. It's nice, nice to meet other festival people, people who like reading, you know, just authors, the whole gamut for me. And it was nice, wasn't it? It was, it was really awesome, nice. yeah. I'm glad. So. Um, did you always know that you wanted to write now it's weird with me well i'm weird in lots of ways as you know i always wanted to write before i went to school i got i don't know why it was so exciting so my mum made a big deal of it because she had got very shaky reading and writing because one the traveling community so schooling wasn't regular there was a period she was uh, in a convent and because she was left-handed they beat her and tied her left hand behind her back. So there was that. Um, and I think she always missed that. And my dad, uh, his, his dad had died when he was a baby. So even though he had passed all the exams to go to grammar school, he couldn't. He left school at 13 and, you know, had to do that because his mum was a widow. She worked in a factory. You know, he became a window cleaner, played a band. He, so he had two jobs. We were in a caravan. My mum had two kids under five in a caravan without a washing machine, without an indoor loo, all of that. And they really encouraged learning. And so my memories of the caravan were writing letters on bits of paper. So before I went to school, I could do my basic numbers and I could write my name. I knew my address and my co-op divvy number. 6617, uh, you know, when you went to the co-op, you had to know your, your number to get your discount. Um, and I, I just loved it that I could, this thing you could 
form letters and this thing where you could read things and I was an avid reader you know I, I mean we didn't even have that many books but you know my mum took me to the library I'd just like devour books and not just children's books but all my dad's adult books as well and then I got a taste for that so when I was really little it was Wind in the Willows and then sneaking into the adult section of the library and reading as much as I can and then one of our jobs was cleaning the family planning <laughs> clinic <laughs> so it was all the leaflets I had fantastic theoretical knowledge when I was about 11. <laughs> <laughs> so I would read anything you know cereal packets the lot and I'm not quite sure why but I always wanted to write a book I wrote poetry, I wrote short stories. Teachers hated me, I'm sure. You know, like they give homework and I'd come with 40 pages, you know, within the next lesson. So I've got to read this, I've got to mark this. So yeah, having finally given myself the time to do it and write, I went back to university and did an MA in creative writing. And my brother says, you know, classic. Why are you go? You know, you've been a journalist. Why are you doing that? It's like, because the most I've ever read, written as a journalist is a thousand words. I've got to do at least another 79,000 words. You know what it's like when you do dissertations and things. It's like, I've got to write a whole book and I write features and they're very short. And that was some of the biggest editing notes. They wanted more rather than less. I'm quite good at editing for, you know, people have said you write really short chapters. Yeah, because, you know, 30 years as a journalist, it's, it's sometimes I need to just let it breathe, give a bit more colour. Um, so, yeah, I I've always wanted to write. I can remember at infant school saying I wanted to write a book. It's weird. Um, if you were to yeah. take out one of your characters for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask? Shirley! Uh, well, Shirley in this one, definitely. So Shirley is the uh, the mum of the main character, Deb. So Deb's is a keep fit instructor like me. She's married uh, a middle class bloke, um, thinks in some ways that he's going to look after her, in some ways she could look after him. And they both you know, it's just disintegrated into a toxic relationship. So, and then add into that Christmas, the menopause, you know, the kids playing up, her mum dying, that's where it's like a pressure cooker and explodes, which did sadly happen in lockdown, you know, more domestic violence, more animal abuse, children abuse, more murder, suicides, more all the horror, because it's like that, you know, um so Shirley is Deb's mom who run pubs and she's just such a laugh uh because there are this I mean it's a dark book most of my it's domestic noir apparently that's a genre psychological thriller but yeah Shirley's a laugh she's such a laugh yeah she likes a drink yeah she's like you know has gone through a lot of men <laughs> but I, I just think she's a life force she's just glorious um and I yeah, I, so, you know, to have a meal with her, I just think some, what I need right now at the moment is something like that, something like that's joyful um, to bring me up, <laughs> really. So Deb's is, is going through it. So I wouldn't really want to have a dinner with Deb's because she's like that at the minute, you know. She does teach 
keep fit so we could have lunch perhaps and discuss keep fit because she also teaches some of the older people and um literally my husband has come out with a phrase that one of our old participants came out for um and announced that on a very hot day that she was feeling a bit desecrated and we've all felt that uh, and jeff sometimes mangles his words and he has told me several times coming back from his bar that it's been really hot he's been working it's not a time for drinking he feels desecrated so i think we can all relate <laughs> yeah, and, um, de-desecrating <laughs> <laughs> she would be my choice as well she's ace she's great fun. love her <laughs> i love her um, did you ever see uh, a comedy, award-winning comedy series, which uh, was called Alma's Not Normal? I think it's still available on iPlayer. And there's a young actress in that called Sophie Willem, who's a comedian. And I would love her to play Debs. I'm always doing casting in my mind. So, oh, I've lost cardboard. Oh, no. Cardboard Jamie Dornan fell over at that point, and I couldn't see him. So there's my cardboard Jamie Dornan. He would be my mark, not just because of Fifty Shades or anything like that, because I've loved The Tourist on the BBC recently. He was in that. And he can play quite vulnerable, damaged. So he would be my mark. And Sophie Willen, who is now award-winning, and I think it's marvellous, a comedian, her real life story um, is a care leaver. So she was in care and she was then sort of, uh, you know, thrown into the world as a lot of care leavers. They don't get any support. I mean, she gets some support, but she made Almost Not Normal with a grant from Carolina Hearn, Mrs. Merton and the royal family. And again, you need grants as a working class woman. Uh, she also was an escort for a while. She was a sex worker. Um, you know, that's one of the ways she supported herself. And I've got so much admiration for somebody who, um, you know, supported herself and worked for herself. And she's funny and she's small and she's fierce and she's got cracking bosoms. And that's Debs in a nutshell to me. She's like, you know, I didn't want a fight between a man and a woman to be always about the man win winning. So I gave Mark a bad back, even though he's tall and army trained. And she's like a little street fighter. You know, she's done kickboxing. She's so that's the idea of it, that it's a bit more balanced. And, and also you assume he might have the PTSD because his army but actually she has as well because of what's happened in her past. And I honestly think we all have to some degree at the moment because of the lockdowns, because of, you know, the day I thought, oh, publication day, oh, the, the rates are going down. You know, there's another war. I just think, Jesus, give us a break, you know, please let's just have a spring and summer where things are, even if they're not back to normal, a bit more manageable because I've not slept through a night without some degree of, you know, waking up with night terrors, sweats, you know, nightmares, anxiety, you know, and I don't think I'm the only person 
doing that and then sometimes because when the adrenaline falls you're then really depressed and it's like you know I just sit in front of I just launched through all the married at first sight on Netflix it's like it's rubbish it's really rubbish but the updates tonight I can't wait <laughs> Um, if you were to fictionally kill someone, how would you do it? What? So, sorry, I shouted in a little ears. So say that again while I if, think. If hypothetically you were going to kill someone, how would you do it? I, I seriously, despite being married to Jeff, I've not thought of that. I've not thought of it. Perhaps cling film over his face when he's snoring and then sit on his face. That sounds really wrong. But you know, I you know what I, I hope you know what I mean. So cling film and then all the pillars and then the whole of my weight sitting on him. But what a way to go. Um, so yeah, I've not given it a lot of thought because it's always about the disposal of the body rather than the because I can't lug him out. It's human. Well, I, I can help you with that. It's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. So we could do the murder on the train thing because I always think there'd be a group thing. You know what I mean? If but then I feel guilty about everything in my entire life, every single hour of every single day. So I know I'd be rubbish. I'd be a rubbish murderer. I almost envy the people, you know, the psychopaths who've got no empathy because it, it, it must be that, you know, like a blinker, like a horse has got blinkers on that, you know, you just have yourself to think about and you're not worried because I can't watch the news, but I, I am on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that and Facebook and everywhere you know it's like my friends you know two of my friends have offered um you know they're not in in britain but you know they're in europe and, and said you know if you can get to us we've got rooms for you and it's like you know i cry with it's ridiculous you know it's like i just feel useless a lot of the time as well to be honest um you know so that guilt of like i should be doing something more I think a lot of people feel and it's like small things i try and justify it that it's not just my cathartic things because you know i went through not having a kid i didn't steal one though i went through really abusive relationships and you know physical fights with blokes and you know being with alcoholics and drug addicts and all of that but not like in the book, you know, so I've used my own experiences. Some of that writing's cathartic, but I also think people need escapism. And it's not just Mary Poppins escapism because crime did really well in lockdown. You know, I, I, I think I told you there was a period I couldn't even read, let alone write, um, because I was giving myself asthma attacks all the time, couldn't eat, you know, and that's just anxiety, it peaked. And obviously there's only a certain time that you can keep that level of anxiety because I'm exhausted now. And a lot of people are over it because they're all burnt out. Their adrenal glands are like shriveled, 
raisins, <laughs> you know, backaches like been permanent for two years because your adrenals are going like that. The exercise helps doing that sort of stretching at your desk, just moves it a bit, moves the energy. But writing, pretty much all the time I'm writing, I'm sitting. So, you know, you sit in it, you sit in the anxiety. And then I just sit on the sofa and, and self-harm with Maltesers and sob. And it's not to the level it used to be, um, but it's still not great for a system that's already overloaded with adrenaline to have either alcohol, which my husband does, nicotine, which my husband does, or 10 tons of chocolate, which I tend to do. It's not great for you. It's not good for your system and how you feel. <sighs> um, and if you were hypothetically fictionally murdered, who would you want to solve your case? What, so I'm being murdered now? Yeah. You're sick. You are sick. You've met me. Uh -huh. But we're, you know, we're really nice people underneath it all. I grew up on Colombo and Ironside, you know, old school, um, really old school detectives, uh, Miss Marple, that sort of thing. I really don't mind, but I quite like those. Uh, probably not Dexter for the obvious reason. Um, but I like the new series. It took me a long time to get into it, but you know, I, I thought the end of the last Dexter was poor. So I was quite glad that, that we revisited that. Um, that sound, which sounded like a sack of potatoes, was the cat jumping down from her ledge. She never bends her knees. It's like, whoomph. Trying to get any cat to come and say hello to us, but no. Uh, so yes, but ideally, Donna, I don't want to be murdered. Thank you very much. Although you have seen me with a short circle drawn around my body, I believe. Yes, so it's sterling. It's like, <laughs> I was straight on that carpet. <laughs> straight on the carpet. It's like didn't didn't get COVID, but I could have got a million other things from being in in the pub carpet because they just put like a, a short circle. I was face down on that carpet, loving it. And recently, as you know, I've been dragged across the floor of water stones, <laughs> dressed in a wedding dress. Um, you know, again, because I, I I think it's one, it cheers me and Jeff up doing our silly promotion videos. Mm -hmm. Something we also do together. And he jokes that we are the Fanny and Johnny Craddock of the literary world. I know the Hobex wanted that title, but no. We are the Fanny and Johnny. And it's something daft that we we not planned anything, but then Jeff's bum did trend yesterday because he has dressed in a wedding dress for me. He literally posed naked on our fake pink. Um, it's not a bear skin rug. It's a cheetah, I think, or a what's the one with spots? Jaguar. It's not a tiger, it's one that's not the tiger. I'm not an expert, as you can see. Uh, but it's pink, so it's not real. And he got naked holding my book with his little bum, and that was banned on TikTok. Censored. And I've seen some of the things in TikTok that have not been banned, but no, I've been censored for that. I was censored for the Bridezilla video because I think either because we threw the book or somebody had got a fake knife. And then we were banned from 
there's a lot of banning going on. Bans from Instagram because we use classical music. And then we were we were hacked from Zoom. So I've had a bit of a bad time of it really on my promotions. So being dragged across the floor of Waterstones screeching, please buy my book, please buy my book was the least of it. Climbing on top of recycling bin for my new author photo. Um, I like all these sort of things and it stops me doing that, the horror of the horror of somebody pointing a camera at me. If I'm talking, which is why I never shut up, I'm all right because I forget it's me and my face. But if I'm if somebody says smile and you have to do that ah, passport photo thing, I get a bit <laughs> I get a bit panicked. But yes, oh, did we have a selfie? We had a selfie, didn't we? At Stanley? Yeah. I think our selfie is fine, isn't it? I don't even remember. God, yeah, we are nice selfie. Yeah, I it's. I mean, I've sort of got over myself to a certain extent of doing it myself. And I, I'm forever doing little videos for, you know, if I get book post and that. And I like it because anything that gives me a laugh or anybody else a laugh, you know, bring it on really. Oh, baby, baby. I just love, I've got very high pitch voice. Um, I got more complaints about my voice when I used to do radio than I think any other presenter. And at my gym, I've got a noise abatement order against me. And we knew it was me because I teach a nine o'clock hit class on Saturday. And hit class, because I can't physically do the whole class with them because bits of me drop off. I'm very motivational shouting. And um, yeah, they rang the council and they said that <laughs> the mental northern woman. And they all knew it was strangely in the gym, who it might be at nine o'clock on a Saturday. That it was actually the quote was that bloody mental northern woman and it's like nine o'clock and our gym is next to a gpo station the wobble now is because she's doing that on the on the uh table leg so the wobble is her that's tiger bertie do you want to come and say hello come on do you want to come and say hello he might he might not uh, but yeah, the GPO were next to the the GPO, like post office vans, and they're loading up at seven o'clock in the morning. So why I'm targeted, I do not know. Anyway. Um, since you very first start writing, what's been your absolute highlight, your favourite moment that stood out more than anything? What, in the actual writing or the actual? Or any, just a whole journey. So, so it, it, ridiculously. <laughs> oh, I feel embarrassed. So the things that I like the most are these odd lines in the middle of the horror, the horror, make me laugh. Like if I've like invented a joke and it was um, this, I, I don't know if you've got to this bit, so I'm sorry if it's a spoiler. Um, it's not really, it's one of Shirley's men. And um, I don't know why. It's like some of the scenes I wrote with Shirley's men, which are horrific, but a bit slapstick. And then she falls out with one boyfriend and there's a line where uh, the next bloke raced, you know, uh, raced greyhounds. So, you know, her next boyfriend raced greyhounds. 
and then it's the dogs always won though. And I don't know why that always tickles me because that's one of the Shirleyisms, you know. Oh, he races greyhounds. The dogs always won though, and it just tickled me because like it was like a moment. It was like a magic moment where I could hear it in her voice. So there's like those little moments where you're almost like the character. You're embodying the character. So that in the writing, like if you've had a good writing day, it's not even how many words, but you've got the idea and you're excited by the idea or just a line. I'll just take just a line like that, that I really think encapsulates the character. And, you know, it's the, the joyful, like those bits of dark humor that just illuminate it and, and, and whatever. And in real life, um, it's it, it sort of, it's a bit weird. I think bloody Scotland, because literally I've only got the one thing to refer to. Um, and, um, this week going into waterstones piccadilly so it's still that there london for me and we'd not planned it we were just meeting one of the bloggers who was down in london for half term lovely vic from instabook tours and it was you, you know i've only had sort of a relationship with a few people like yourself in that i've actually ever met in real life uh, and just before we went to meet her Jeff said, oh, shall we go in Waterstones at Piccadilly? And I said, yeah, but um, it won't be there. It's a couple of days before publication. And we're just going to take some pictures of my friend's books. And I got in there. I didn't take a picture of anybody else's books. I, you know, I really apologise because I, I was just like winded. And I just cried so much that the poor woman from Waterstones thought I'd gone insane. And I couldn't get the words out to explain. I'd never seen it before. I'd not had that. So the hardback came out in lockdown. No, none of the bookshops were open. I, I filmed a silly little video banging on the window and shouting, why? And throwing myself on the floor. There's a lot of floor things coming to think of it. And then I was mopping the floor in Tesco's. It's like there's a lot of floor analogy, you know, being a cleaner from, from my background. You know, my dad's a window cleaner. My mum and me and my brother were cleaners. We used to mop the floors at Fine Fair and Tesco's. So, uh, yeah, um, seeing my book in Waterstones Piccadilly this week was a highlight, even though at the time I just could not articulate it. And the poor shop seller stood there with their stickers signed by author stickers. <laughs> and Jeff's like, who's seen it all before, he says, just give her five minutes, she'll be fine. Yeah, she does this every day. <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully as well, you know, we'll have highlights to come because I'm meeting my team at Viper in a week i'm going into viper towers to sign some books and it just feels like you know i i feel close to them all but i've not seen them there was a highlight of a party we had so viper's part of profile books they do non-fiction and also serpents tell which do uh, literary so the essex serpents and we are all totally beside ourselves you know two fantastic books and I went with a, a, an inflatable serpent around me because it was, you know, Viper, Serpent's Tail. <laughs> She's looking at me now. Even the dog's looking at me like I'm insane. 
but it's like I'm quite shy in company and the only way I can sometimes think of doing it is like dress up you know so even when I did radio earlier on I've got my makeup because <laughs> it's like what it cheers me up and two it's like it's like putting on a uniform and you know it's like you're putting your uniform you're in work mode so it's that whole thing of like you know props as well i love a prop oh bertie come and say hello come on he's here so this is bertie this is the reason i'm just going to grab him this is the reason i can never retire because i've spent my advance for the next two books on this one this is Bertie, the emotional support kitten, who had to go to animal hospital before Christmas and be saved, to be saved. So yeah, bless him. Um, I accidentally spent my advance for the next two books, one of which is now written, thank the Lord. Um, so the next one's out this time next year and it's about a cleaner who becomes a crime scene cleaner. And I wanted to call it the cleaner for obvious reasons, but somebody's stolen that. So I'm trying to work the title for that. We're thinking about something like make me clean or uh, anyway, we'll find something by the time it's out. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's going to be edited next. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward. Um, I've not done a lot of forward planning, to be honest, because Things been cancelled right, left, and centre. We had, um, I was supposed to be doing my first bookshop talk, and that was cancelled <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, so hopefully, some more meeting people things. Really, the cat's now upside, he's doing a handstand on, on the chair, and his bum's in the air, just in case anybody's interested. <laughs> he was whinging at me behind my laptop, so. She's obviously not getting enough attention, even though she's getting all the attention. But she's getting all the attention. Well, clearly she doesn't think so. Well, it's like, you know, so there are, there was a cat in my first book and there's a dog in this book and Get Down Lulu, um, based on a real dog who thought her name was Get Down Harriet. Um, you know, I, I do believe that the, the animals know they pick up on things and, you know, there's never an excuse to hurt an animal, no matter what you're going through yourself. And I love them as much as I love people. It's different. Yes, they're not humans. And I feel even more responsible for them. And Jeff, the same, you know, he would have, I mean, thousands of pounds have been Save spent on Bertie's life. But he's a young cat. He was in his prime. You know, if it was an older cat, I'm not one of these people who just saved them for me. You, you, do you know what I joke about? I rescued cats, whether they want to be rescued or not. But I feel that responsibility for them. And they have kept me alive. And that's not an exaggeration. At my lowest, they've kept me alive. So you get that look look she's she's doing that and i would never forgive anybody who hurts an animal and the i don't want to give spoilers away a lot of people were concerned about the dog and i just will say 
it is a sort of spoiler, I would never hurt an animal. And she's also a rescue dog and all my animals are rescued. And, you know, I'm just hoping that all the people who bought animals in lockdown are going to look after them properly, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, were there any authors at Bloody Scotland that you fangirled over? I think all of them. Um, so, oh God, names are going blank now. Um, so uh, I went to people's sessions. Oh, I'm going, can I look on my phone? It's just like I've, I've literally gone blank because I had lunch with, with my friend and I can't think of a name. Uh, so Emma Christie, I was introduced to, and she did a online panel and she's up at uh, Granite Noir as I speak. It'll come to me by the end of the interview. Um, it's it's so interesting because obviously my panel was uh, Chris Brookmeyer and, and Mark Billingham, but I've not read any of them. <laughs> and I couldn't say that, could I? Because I've not read a lot of crime. I'm more literary and, you, you know, just women's literature for want of other labels. I just have got an eclectic reading. It's not like I'm not. And Val McDermott, who shares an agent, so that's quite scary, um, you know, was up there. But she did... Um, uh, a late night thing, a sort of, I don't know if you went to it, like a disco. And uh, I didn't go because I wasn't socializing. I went and did the reading. I could meet people sort of one-to-one, -one, but I was just too freaked out to go to like a, a band. So I, I, yeah, you know, so the name will come to me because I went to the book nook with her. Oh God, she's going to hate me for this. Um, it will come. It will come. I might have to look on my phone though. It's Cause funny because she... when um, when the Hobics um, were talking to you, I was standing there waiting for them, and um, all the others had gone. So I was just talking to Mark Bellingham, you know, one of the biggest crime writers, apart yeah, from Ian Rankin and Val McDermott, perhaps. Oh, you but... see, Ian Rankin was there as well. Um, you know, didn't get to speak to him, but yeah, no. Mark Bellingham. You said there a laugh. Mark Billingham yeah. and Chris Brookmeyer are a laugh. They do the podcast together. Their whole shtick was the rejections they'd had. And that was a great session, wasn't it? It was. It was hilarious. Um, it was so funny because of that. Um, and my bit was just a reading in that. I have got a panel coming up, though, so I'm clawing my way up one book at a time. Uh, so that would be lovely, you know, just talking, um, you know, on a panel, really, just discussing things. Um, which is lovely, you know, meeting people in real life is just the best. So Janice Hallett is my friend. I can tell people, you know, it's like, so I met Janice at this party where I was dressed as a, as a viper, but, you know, she has been so supportive. So, you know, hugely and her success is all of our successes. I think it's just like people are still buying books and, Cozy crime, I absolutely get it. I mean, I was really shy of reading um, The Appeal for a start because I thought I'm, I've not really ever had that whodunit background. So I've not really read Sherlock Holmes and, and all of that thing. And disgraced myself on the Viper quiz the first year because I got nothing right. Literally, I didn't get one question right, none, zero. So I'm a disgrace to the crime writing community, apparently. Um, and the guy who got everything right um, won his name in my book. 
so he is a character, Ali, in Nasty Little Cots, is, um, you know, the guy who won his name check. And I had to write, so in the acknowledgements at the back of my actual book, uh, there's a whole little paragraph saying, I work at this gym, the factory gym, but just saying, um, uh, my fitness family keep me sane, but none of them feature here because they're not very nice, some of them. Um, Ali Karim won the name check in our Viker Christmas competition. Anyone who uh, from the gym refuses to buy my book is forced to do burpees. And that's true because I just joke and say, anybody not bought my book? just do burpees you know and it is a joke but you know even so you know my the people i meet at the gym they do buy my book one of the ladies from the gym took all my pictures for the new author pictures and she uh, i you know the, the pictures i actually loved so for a woman to say that <laughs> and a woman of my age to say that and a woman of my age and self-criticism saying that you know, hello, or imposter syndrome, hello, all of that. You know, it's like we can't win, really. And what makes me sad is I stand in front of a class full of women and quite a few of them have got imposter syndrome and they're self-conscious and they're 20 and they're beautiful and I'm old enough to be the grandmother and I'm saying, please let this generation, you know, have a bit more confidence in themselves, please. Uh, Anyway, we'll get there eventually, let's hope. Hope so, yeah. Oh. I still can't remember a name. It's going to drive me mad, Donna. At it some point, it will come to you. Immediately we finish, it'll be, no. I, of course I can see her face and she's been lovely to me and I, I just feel I failed, failed her. Yeah. I messaged someone this morning the name of someone we were talking over a week ago and it's the name of the main character in the Cafe Wright's books. Couldn't remember for the life of me. I've read them all, every one, yeah. and watched the series. Marion Todd! It came! It came through! <laughs> I'm so sorry, Marion. Marion Todd! I love her. So she is Scottish and she was so lovely because, you know, I didn't know one person going up there and she said, um, come and I'll meet you. And we went for lunch and I went to her panel and I waved to her thank god so that's that that's how quick my brain works these days so this is what two years of like my normal anxiety was quite here but you know covid anxiety was there world war three anxiety now so it my brain doesn't fire fast enough and word aphasia it's fine when i'm writing but in real life so in one of my classes i remembered the phrase as i put in the book for word aphasia couldn't remember the word for elbow literally it went and all i was going to say was keep your elbows in uh, and i used alternatives like arms and i was trying to use the pivot point so it's a stand up that pivot point that's a rotator cuff exercise i can't remember the word bloody elbow gone but i was saying no i can't remember the word for it it's word aphasia that i could say but the word for this bit gone so Marion Todd, who's another crime writer, and she is very um, like, you know, we were talking about it. You know, she plots, she has a spreadsheet. She's brilliant. Uh, her ex was police. You know, she's got contacts in the police. She's lovely. She's the warmest human being in the world. 
and she championed me and looked after me and I love her and I you know so that's somebody I've got um who I've met in real life who has been lovely to me who you know I I've done online things with I've done panels with and her name completely went so I get it it's so frustrating isn't it I'm not the only one you're not the only one I refuse to google as well because it's too easy you know, if you keep Googling stuff then, or looking, you know, checking, then you're just never going to use the brain cells to remember. So oh, that part of, yeah, that part of the brain. <laughs> it is true. So I think also I've become a bit, um, you know, scatty professor. You know, the, the, they say, you know, forgetful professors and things like that. Sometimes it's like I've got three or four books in my mind at any one time. And all of those characters are in there and their voices are in there. And then, you know, Jeff will come home and I have not only failed to, you know, do the thing I said I would like take the thing down, you know, to the post office that he's asked me to do. I've not cooked, I've not cleaned. <laughs> you know, all of that. I always remember to feed the cats, but I don't often remember to feed yeah. And also he works at a bloody bar that cooks chicken and burgers. He could fend for himself, for God's sake. <sighs> um, Look how dark it is. When me and Donna started talking, it was literal <laughs> daylight. That it, Literal daylight. And now it's pitch black behind me. Because I did this, because when we started, it was my actual garden. I'm sorry that we talked so much and you've not seen my actual very small uh, postage stamp garden which I, I like very much because I can go and stand in it although I've not literally left the building for three days because my my knee's been strapped up and I've been online writing interviewing tweeting <laughs> um, if you were able to travel to any period of time either forwards or backwards where would you go anywhere pre-covid really I'll take any of it Literally, uh, that sounds a bit sad and pathetic. I mean, you know, I'd like to travel anywhere in the world at the moment. I'd love to go on holiday. I mean, even down to Cornwall when it gets a bit warmer, uh, because Jeff's from Cornwall. Um, I'd love to go to the Caribbean, just somewhere warm and lie on a beach, which I've not done. I mean, I'd be burnt to a crisp in like five minutes because my skin's like a veal calf. I haven't seen any sunshine. I've not exposed any of myself. Uh, to any sort of radiation. Uh, I take vitamin D because I've not seen any. Um, but yeah, periods in time, um, it, it is like, I, I don't feel there's a golden era. I'm not like one of these people say, oh, the good old days, you know, because we've had amazing developments. You, you know, you think, thank God for the vaccines, for instance, you know, because I'd have been dead, no, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel that, you know, we're really lucky. There, there were periods, almost like, dare I say, before Brexit, where I was like really optimistic in phases. I can remember going out like the night that we won the Olympics and it was glorious. It was just fantastic. And it was like with big Andy Forden, who I'd done Fit Club with, you know, the Viking. And we did a pub crawl with him. And I wasn't even drinking. It was just, I was high on the occasion and Jeff was there. And we just had such 
a brilliant night and it was one of those rare summer nights sort of unseasonally warm and then the next day there was the bombing in in london on the tubes and it was just like that oh god so you know just a period because i can't remember a very long period where it was just hope where you just had sort of you know and i still have that i'm quite childlike I feel like like punch drunk. I feel like the last couple of years, and I've got out of it really pretty unscathed. But I know so many people who've lost people who you know have gone through the melt, and I'm not going to talk too much on it because I cry if I get too much into it. But just like before this, you know, and before yesterday when they invaded, it's like. Oh, truth you know how anybody's got the energy to start a war i do not know it's like it is literally beyond me i'm exhausted and i think a lot of people are so you know i should have said my wedding day to jeff in barbados it's all right he's not here so i don't have to say it your secret's safe it's fine <laughs> Um, so when you're not doing your crazy fitness stuff and writing, what do you like to do with your time? Well, recently I have risked deep vein thrombosis by sitting on my bum and watch stuff. So like the Ozarks I've particularly enjoyed um, or read. Um, writing, I do now believe it's a job. So it's not, I don't really I write as a compulsion I sort of feel I have to write so I'm already getting antsy because I've had a couple of days not writing because I've been launching the book as it were into the world my new baby but I feel guilty that I'm not writing so that's not like relaxing in the same way so if I've got a cat on my lap and I'm reading and I don't feel I've got to take notes to write something, you know, because that's that's that. That's how I relax. I'm an electric blanket. And that's the high life to me. I don't know what it'll be like going back into the world. So I bought Jeff tickets for Hamilton in April, whether or not that's going ahead. That would be lovely. Um, I do have memories of going out. I would love to go and see like cabaret. I'd love to go on holiday. I'd love to go walking in Cornwall, although Jeff's not the greatest walker. He doesn't really like walking. I love walking. So, you know, I've just got those memories of, of what that is, but it's the truth is that's not happening right now. So I've been having hypnotherapy to deal with the agoraphobia, which is just like out of control. Um, it's getting better. So as I say, this week, I made myself go downtown to London, into Waterstones and out. Um, I have made myself go into more shops now. So, you know, going shopping, like not just to Waterstones, uh, but going to a food shop, going into the co-op. Uh, but I'll probably still be wearing my mask. Um, and I feel a bit silly in some ways about that. Here's another one, come to see us. Oh, do you want to come and say that, Jane, to No. This is Pinky, who's on the official plump list. Pinky Snowdrop, oh, you've bleached out, lovely. But you can see her little moustache. Much more <laughs> cute on Pinky than me. 
So this is um, the the sister of Splodge Statham, and she was born in Jeff's overnight bag. Lovely. The overnight bag, I says, can you just move that, love? Because um, the one that we were fostering was ready to pop. And indeed popped, not just in his overnight bag, but over his overnight clothes. But it was quite useful to be able to carry the bag around with the six kittens in for a, a very short while. <laughs> and we've kept two of those and we rehomed the others. We would have kept the mum as well, but she didn't like the kids after, you know. I think it was literally... 11 weeks to the day and she hated them she'd been the best mother in the world 11 weeks get out of my face it was horrible to see so yeah bless her. and she hated all mine as well so we kept two i didn't choose any i just says we'll just end up with you know we wanted a pair we'll just end up with whoever's left and these were the two who was and tiger was the one who landed like a ton of bricks but i don't know where she's gone she's very well camouflaged because she's um brown and black and tabby and i can't see her because <laughs> as i say i spent so much time on, on the screen recently <laughs> thanking people right. for tweets and my ring light's so big as well I'm now oh. leaving blind <laughs> <laughs> um so you said that you had finished book three so what's coming next for you so book four, ah, um, I'm toying about setting it on Tresco, where Jeff's from, because it's a little island off the coast of Cornwall. And I've got like a couple of ideas for it. And I have made notes and I've written, you know, it's, it's like so embryonic. I've no idea sort of where it's going to go because this is the thing it's like it's not just biffing around an idea it's going to be two years of my life and I ain't got that many two years left you know at my age it's like beyond middle age it's like how many oh I can't even do the maths that's how good I am 100 and, 128 year old women do we know we don't know many 128 year old women therefore I'm not middle age I'm in my third act yeah, I might be even on my ankle. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like trying to get that out. And there's the other one in the wings, which I wrote on my MA, which is not crimey enough, I don't think, for crime. So we'll talk about that. So that's set in the circus. So that's my grandma's background, my mum's background as a traveller. Um, there are, there, in, in the next one, there is a gypsy community section um you know because i want to get bits of society that people don't generally see in, really i've got any sort of ambition but then as soon as you're deep diving in it takes its own energy and little sideline characters sort of start piping up a bit more do, do you know what i mean it's it's a very weird well you do know what i mean of course you know what i mean so it's weird, isn't it? It sort of feels like being possessed, like being. There's an exercise we do in the class, and it always tickles me. And it's like you sort of start like doing that, circling the thoracic spine, and it looks like they're all being possessed. It really tickles me. And then there's another one where they're, where they're going up and down, where it looks like they're members of some strange cult praising me. <laughs> 
I never thought how that would look from your view, but yeah, I imagine that. Yeah, you know, because I'm doing it as well, but I can't see myself because I've got my back to the mirror looking at them and they're facing me in the mirror. So, yeah. Well, I can't think of any more questions for you, my lovely Ines. You think well, you it's only been a mere two hours of chatting, Donna, so... I know. I mean, you know, if I haven't got all so the information... Sorry. I am so sorry. You know, it's just been lovely catching up with you. And I'm yes. also aware that you need to have your tea. Uh, so, you know, it's like I've got to have my tea as well at some point. So, but thank you so much. And, you know, good luck with all your stuff. So it's like all your writing or your blogging or your taking over the literati universe. So, um, you know, me and Jeff as Johnny, Johnny and Fanny, who would you be? in your universe who would you see yourself as i don't know i have a weird place i think i think i have i've made my own you've got your thing. own niche yeah, i still see you as like the godmother <laughs> sort of you, you know like um oh i'm just again the name's gone who's the woman who played the queen and she's also in the fast and the Fury? helen mirren you are the helen mirren sort of god not the queen version but when she's like the godmother of the of the gangland and they will respect her they'll respect so i i see you have created i just think it's great that's the one thing. It's like there used to be a lot of gatekeepers for people like us. If you're not Oxbridge, if you've not, you know, had a certain education and you're not writing a certain way. And now I think that's changing, pray God. So, you know, you know, you can make your own world. But lots of love to you and your mum. Lots of love to her ladykins. Who has graced us? I feel very honoured. Graced us with her present. Please buy nasty little cuts if you can't afford the hardback. The hardback makes great. You don't just have to read it. You know, you know, you can shove it under a table leg. Um, put plants on it. Use it as weights for keep fit classes. Spank your husband, partner, uh, stranger on the bottom with it with consent, as I did in one of our videos. So, um, but it is audiobook and it is also ebook, Kindle, things like that. And you'll be funding Bertie's Recovery Fund. No shame. <laughs> and if people want to find about, out about you, where can they do that? Tina Baker Books. <laughs> Just Tina Baker Books. It does what it says on the tin. And I'm at the minute all over Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And I'll be honest, it's usually the same old stuff. So if you've got preferred thing, you know, I don't do different things, to be honest. I mean, there's less, it makes less sense on TikTok, really, because you've not got a caption. It's just Jeff dragging me across the floor or me jumping out of a box or me holding my books over my naked bits, which did happen too. I don't know if it sells books, but it keeps us amused and off the streets. So yeah, <laughs> Tina Baker books, please come and give me a follow because I'm very friendly. I don't get out much. You are, you're my social life, all of you. So thank you. Do the heart because even though I'm very old, I know what the kids do. 